Thank you, Jesus. Name above every other name. We give glory to your name. We thank you that we can come, stand amongst brothers and sisters. with our family to glorify you tonight when you taught us to pray you said our father not my father our father and we come together tonight Lord as one as a family united to pour out our praise our love our admiration, our awe, our honour, our love, our thankfulness, our gratitude. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for what you're doing in this place, what you're doing in our midst, what you're doing in us. And we thank you there's so much more. There's so much more. We humble ourselves in your presence tonight to receive what you have for us. We thank you, Holy Spirit. This meeting is yours. We give you glory. And everyone said, Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Welcome everyone. How are we? We good? Two of you are good. Anyone else good? Give us a wave if you're good. That's good. That's better. Awesome. Anyone who didn't raise their hand, come forward for prayer afterwards. All right. Kids have gone upstairs, so they'll be looked after up there. But if you're new here... We do have a kids program for kids age four and up, upstairs, so feel free to go up there and the team will meet you. But don't forget to just collect your kids as soon as the service ends so that the team up there can be relieved. But welcome. All right. So Jesus talks a lot about the heart, would you agree? Thanks, bro. Whose water is it? Oh. Um, he speaks about the heart, right? He's really focused on the heart. Because man judges on the outside appearance, but God judges the heart. Proverbs says, um, guard your heart above all things, because from it flow the issues of life. Other translations say, guard your heart with all diligence, because everything you do in life comes from your heart. That's a pretty uh, profound statement to say, guard your heart above all else. Above everything else, guard your heart. Guard it more than your family, guard it more than your finances, guard it more than your garden, guard it more than your pet dog, guard it more than your work, guard it more than your relate, guard it more than anything, guard your heart above everything. Because everything you do comes from that place. And that's why Jesus was so focused on it. <clears throat> Who knows, and people say this all the time, you know, if you want to know um, 
you know, what the person was about. Look at their final words, you know, look at their last words. And it's been said about Jesus as well. And, um, you know, we're all familiar with, with Jesus' last words to his disciples. And, um, you know, Matthew has a version, Luke has a different version, but I'll, I'll read the one in Luke. And he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized. This is um, Luke, was it 24? I don't have the chapter here. I think it's 24 verse 15. Mark 16? I'll just read it. I, I, I don't write it down here. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Who's familiar with those words? I think we all are. It's the great, the great commission. We've all heard of that. Have we all heard of the great, the great rebuke? Because there's the great commission. And I was reading this the other day and it's, like just before the Great Commission, there's a great rebuke. And it shocked me because I thought, this is the Great Commission. Jesus has risen from the dead. You know, this is uh, cele- celebration time, party time, uh, mission time. But in the same, in the preceding line, just before the Great Commission, Jesus says this. It says, later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. It's pretty crazy. You got the great rebuke just before the great commission. And it's... I was like, why is that there? Why is there this great rebuke just before this great commissioning? And why is he even commissioning them if he's rebuking them the line before? Maybe they're not ready. But I think what Jesus is saying here is, I'm sending you, but be very careful. Be very careful of unbelief. Be very careful of hardness of heart. I'm sending you, and I'm about to send you now, and I'm going to send you to go and save the lost. I'm going to send you to baptise, I'm going to send you to do great signs in my name, I'm going to send you to cast out demons, I'm going to send you to take up serpents and lay your hands on the sick, see people healed, but I need you to be careful of unbelief because if unbelief gets in your heart, it can destroy you. It's the one thing he warned them about before he commissioned them. It's the one thing he rebuked them about before he left. Beware of unbelief. Watch out for it. Well, 
it's interesting that he warns them of that and he's talking about casting out de- uh, demons because we know there was another time before Jesus' death where the disciples try and cast out a demon out of this young boy and they come to Jesus and they say, why, why couldn't we do it? And why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus says, because of your unbelief. He says, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So there's a connection between unbelief and faith. And it's crazy to me that Jesus is saying, you weren't able to do it because you had unbelief. But if you had a mustard seed of faith, you'd tell that mountain to move and it would move. Which I conclude, did they not have a mustard seed of faith? Because he's saying if you had a mustard seed of faith, you could do, it, do anything. So did they, ha- did they not have a mustard seed of faith? Or did unbelief neutralise them? That's the danger in unbelief. It neutralises believers. So I want to talk about, I want to go through and share just a few things about the dangers of unbelief. Um, in Matthew chapter 13, Verse 58, Jesus is in Nazareth and it says he couldn't do um, many works there because of their unbelief. That's Matthew chapter 13, verse 58. He couldn't do many works there because of their unbelief. We know what happened there. Jesus is amongst his family. They say, isn't this, isn't this Jesus, Joseph's son? And, it says, and Jesus says, a prophet is not without honour except in his own hometown. And then it says he did not do many works there because of their unbelief. And it's interesting what what unbelief does because it's self-enforcing. So they believed that he couldn't do or he wasn't God. He wasn't who he said he was. And so the fruit of their belief was that Jesus couldn't do anything. So what they actually believed, or their unbelief, actually uh, resulted in them not being able to see Jesus do anything. And it reinforced their unbelief. Because they would have walked out of that place going, see, I told you he wasn't anything special. He couldn't do anything here. And so the danger of unbelief is that it reinforces itself. That's one danger. But it's it's corrosive. It's interesting, Jesus, in that very same chapter, a few verses down, he says, and I believe he's talking about unbelief here, he says, hearing you will not hear. And shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their eyes are hard of hearing and their eyes have closed. Lest they shall see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn 
so that I should heal them. It's interesting. He says he couldn't do any works there. He couldn't heal there because of their unbelief. And there he's saying, lest lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. And so we see the effect of unbelief there. Can't see. They're blind. They've grown dull. They're hard of hearing. Their eyes have closed. They can't understand with their hearts and they can't get healed. Mark chapter 16 verse 14. This is the one I I was talking about before where Jesus rebukes them. And it's interesting that there's, it's very clear, it says he appeared to the 11 at the table. And it's like they're, this is a flashback to the Last Supper. Only Judas is missing this time. Obviously, Jesus died and risen. Judas has committed suicide. But it's interesting, he's saying that it's the 11 there. And they're probably sitting around the table, you know, a bit smug, thinking, you know, I wasn't Judas. Um, you know, poor old Judas. You know, he, he had a bit of unbelief. But Jesus rebukes them. And he says, be careful. Watch out. <clears throat> Acts chapter 19, verse 9. It says, but some grew obstinate in unbelief and spoke evil of the new faith before all the congregation. And Paul left them. So unbelief causes you to grow obstinate. Stubborn is another word for it. Becoming inflexible. Dried out. That's another meaning. Romans chapter 4 verse 20. Paul's talking about Abraham here and he said, But yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Unbelief causes a wavering in your walk. You're a wavering towards the promises of God. A wavering in your faith causes you, and if you look up the word waver, what does it mean? It means to discriminate. You begin to discriminate against God. Well, maybe God isn't who he says he is, and maybe God isn't as good as he, he's made out to be. Maybe God's withholding something from me. Another interesting meaning of waver is to separate with a hostile spirit. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. This is a scary one. He says, Take heed, brethren, brethren, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He says an Evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is an evil heart. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19, a few lines down he says, So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. So that unbelief stopped the Israelites from entering the promised land, entering the rest. So, what is, what is unbelief? If Jesus is warning us about it, and he's, he's giving us a very strong 
rebuke to his disciples as you're going to go, but be careful of this thing that's going to try and creep in, in your walk. <clears throat> your heart. I've got a folder here and it's called my heart. I've put a title on the front of it. So, if you think of this file as your heart, and you go through life, stuff happens, your upbringing, your family, you're shaped, you're moulded by the world, by the people around you, by your friends, uh, whether they're good or bad, you're moulded and shaped by what you see and what you hear, movies you've watched, social media, music, experiences, whatever they might be. You're shaped by your feelings. You're shaped by how you've perceived things. And it's like your heart begins to just collect, collect beliefs, all sorts of different beliefs. Some of them good, a lot of them evil. And that's why that proverb says, guard your heart because from it flows the issues of life. When you think of the word flows, it's like something is stored there. It doesn't say the issues of life trickle from it. It says flow. There's a storage of stuff in your heart and, and stuff it's like a waterfall out of your heart there's all this stuff backed up collected stored filed away and so it might cause you to say um, I've got to be in control I've experienced something in my life where I felt out of control, so I must be in control all my life. You may have stored something that says, well, I've been hurt, I've been betrayed, I can't, I'm not going to trust again. And so, often we think unbelief is just not believing the word of God. And that's true. But wherever there's unbelief, it's not that there's nothing else there. It's that there is another belief there. And that belief is from Satan himself. It's not like there's an empty folder. Because a lot of people will think unbelief is just an empty file. Like I just haven't got the word of God in there. No, but it's not that you don't have the word of God in there. It's that you don't have the word of God in there, but there's a lot of other stuff there that is contrary to the word of God and the enemy's crafty he knows the reason why you went through all that stuff in your life is because he's trying to store all this stuff in your heart because if he can store all this stuff in your heart he can keep you bound and he can keep you away from Christ that's all he wants so he's got his assignments and his schemes happens through people happens through life and stuff begins to get Stored. And so you come to faith 
in Jesus and Jesus enters your heart. And wouldn't it be nice if once Jesus came in, all those issues just got deleted. And in a way, they are deleted in your spirit because you are a new creation. But you still have to contend with what's stored in your heart. What's been stored there over year after year after year. Every word that's been spoken against you. You'll never measure up. You're a failure. You're not good enough. They all get stored there. And it's like when you begin to take one step forward, the enemy comes and, and reminds you of what's in your heart. And a lot of those things you've stored in your heart as a defense mechanism. So the first one here I've got, I must be in control. If you've lived and had an experience or you've had an upbringing where you were, where it was chaotic or out of control, you might think, you might form that belief that I've got to control everything so I can stay safe. I'm at peace when I'm in control of everything. <clears throat> so what's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, careful. Careful of all the stuff that's backed up in your heart. Because what you do will come from here. <clears throat> so, Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We often think we get the confess with your mouth part. And in our hearts, we do believe Jesus is real, he's God, he died, we could recite the creed, we can even quote scripture. But are we believing in him, in his power, in his Holy Spirit, and allowing him to come in and do that work in our heart to rid us of that baggage, for him to hit, delete, for him to empty the recycle bin in our heart. Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says, A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> the greatest question I think you can ask yourself when you sit down to pray, because we know Jesus said, when they said, why couldn't we get this demon out? And he says, because of your unbelief. And then he gives us the answer after that. He says, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, he says, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, 
This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So I want to teach us something about prayer tonight. Because a lot of us can pray by reciting written prayers and that's great. A lot of us can sit there and talk to God about what's going on in our life and ask him for things and that's all good. But one of the greatest things you can ask yourself in prayer is what am I believing right now? If you want to identify the unbelief in your heart, ask yourself the question in the presence of God, God, what am I believing right now? And I guarantee you, if you go into the presence of God with that question and actually sit there and search your heart and see what it is you're truly believing in that moment and be honest in front of God, you will find yourself being transformed in the presence of God. Because I can sit there, I can go into the presence of God fearful, right? And I can say, I can pull out the scripture and say, I'm anxious for nothing, I'm anxious for nothing, I'm anxious for nothing. And I could walk the whole city saying I'm anxious for nothing. And there's power in the scripture, don't get me wrong. But there's something much deeper than just declaring the word. The Holy Spirit is our counsellor. So if, I'm, if, if I feel fear coming to attack me, I will go in to the presence of God with a notepad and with a pen and I'll say, I'm going to diagnose my unbelief. Lord, help me diagnose my unbelief right now. And I'll start listing, what am I afraid of? So I gave an example to a couple of the guys. Just this week, I got a massive bill from some very kind organisation that I wasn't expecting and it, this fear just like gripped me and I said hang, hang, on, hang on a sec I sat down I said what am I afraid of here I'm not I didn't jump to scripture saying my the Lord shall provide all my needs in Jesus Christ and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but God's provision wasn't the issue. The fear in my heart was the issue. Lord, I'm going to sit here with you and I want you to show me exactly what's going on in my heart. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm not going to have enough. I'm afraid that I'm going to fail. I'm afraid that if I fail, people are going to look at me different. I'm afraid that if I have to pay this, I'm going to have to forego something else. And I, I started listing all the fears, but being very, very specific. And saying, Lord, now show me where this, where this fear came from. Because he's the counsellor. And I don't know if anyone has ever done counselling in the, in the flesh before. But what they tend to do is take you back into your past and show you where that thought, where that belief, where that feeling actually started from. 
I often share um, sharing my, my testimony. I, I talk about how one area of unbelief set me on a, on a path to absolute destruction, all those things I mentioned before. And I saw a man hurt a woman when I was a child. And I thought, wow. Men, this is, this is the belief that crept into my heart. Men hurt women. It's bad to be a man. I don't want to be a man. And that sent me down a path of absolute destruction. Thank God God brought me out of it. Um, I don't need to get into the details. But one small belief that is contrary to the word of God can wreak havoc. And there are so many of them. But the important thing to do is to sit in the presence of God and let him diagnose it for you. And when you do that, you'll come out refreshed, you'll come out changed, you'll come out transformed, you'll come out empowered. Because the other thing, when you can actually say to God, God, this is truly what I'm feeling right now. I'll do it to God you know, earlier in my journey. I just found being honest with God was the best thing you could be. Lord, <coughs> I'm coming in, I'm honest with you, I don't want to be here today. I feel like <coughs> I'm going to sit here <coughs> and nothing is going to happen. And I feel like I'm going to leave here just as stuck as I entered. But it's being honest with God. It's actually confessing who you truly are in front of Him. And when you are honest when you confess your sins he's righteous and just and will cleanse you of all unrighteousness so prayer and being in the presence of God looks like this it's like Okay, I must be in control for whatever reason. Lord, show me where this came from. Take me back into my past. And he will. The Holy Spirit will show you exactly where it came from. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you clarity. So that what, I, what I'm doing in prayer is taking this out of the file of my heart and putting his truth in. <clears throat> I can trust God. One says I must be in control. One says I can relinquish control. I can trust God. All my life I've felt like I need to just keep an eye on everything. Make sure everything's in order. Everything's in line. Because if things get out of hand, I'm not going to be safe. No. That came from... That could have come from you seeing it in someone. Seeing it in your mother or your father. That's how they operated and you've absorbed it. Say, God, I saw that in my, in, my, um, in my family member. That's where I got it from. And just because I saw it in them, I don't want it to be in me because I can see how it's affecting me. And I'm, uh, I can see that I'm, I'm lacking trust. Then 
the truth of God comes. And you can actually begin to replace those unbeliefs with true beliefs that line up with the word of God. This one's a big one. I'll be happy when. How many of us have that belief in our heart? I'll be happy when I'm married. I'll be happy when I've got a certain amount in my bank account. I'll be happy when my mortgage is paid off. I'll be happy when I'm married. I'll be happy when I'm healed. Sit with God. Say, Lord, I have this thing in my heart where I feel like unless this thing happens, I'm disappointed in you. Or my life's on hold until this happens. Lord, I want to confess this. There's that frustration there. And I don't want that in me, Lord. And thank you by your grace. I'm confessing it to you right now. Because the truth is, I have everything in you, Lord. The truth is, I'm content in Christ. I'm content in everything you've done for me. So I'm going to take that out of the file of my heart tonight, Lord. And yes, it's going to try and creep back in tomorrow. (laughs) But tomorrow, I will come back and I'll say, Lord, it's trying to creep back in. And I, I think of the man with... Um, the paralytic who they bring in to the presence of Jesus. He's been paralysed for I don't know how many years and he's made to bring him in. They dig a hole through the roof and lower him in front of Jesus and the man's thinking, this is my moment. Um, you know, I'm so desperate to walk again and I finally found four mates to dig a hole through a roof to lower me into the presence of God and he's being lowered down and he's thinking, this is my moment. I'm going to be healed. I'll be happy when I'm healed and I'm finally on my way down in front of the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, Son, <laughs> your son, your sins are forgiven. It's like, huh? Sins? My legs. Wrong frequency. I need my legs healed. I don't need my sins forgiven. I mean, thank you, but but I'll be happy when my legs are healed. When Jesus is trying to do something so much deeper. And this can actually block us from seeing what it is God actually wants to do in the very depths of our heart. (laughs) Worry is good worry I'm a good parent if I'm freaking out about my kids 24-7 and I'm worried people will think I'm not a good parent if I'm not freaking out so I've got to freak out in front of other people to show that I care for my kids because if I worry it it means I care but that's not God What does God say? What does Jesus say? 
I'm anxious for nothing. But Lord, I'm going to come into your presence. I'm going to tell you what I'm worried about. I'm going to list everything that I'm worried about. I'm worried that my kids are going to get sick. And then I'm worried if my kids get sick, I'm worried that my mother-in-law is going to think that I'm a bad mum. And then I'm worried that the people at daycare are going to think I'm a bad mum too because she was sick last week and she's sick again this week. And it's just worry after worry after worry. But actually get them out. Get them out in the presence of God. Because once you confess them, that's when his grace and his mercy come. That's his grace, his power to actually deal with that thing comes. But so long as they're harboured and fold in your heart and not coming out, he can't deal with them. So that one's coming out. I'm unworthy and unacceptable. My past, whatever it might be. Lord, I don't feel like I can stand in your presence. I know the scripture says that I can come boldly and confidently, but I don't feel like I can. I feel like I'm unworthy. And I'm going to sit with that and let you show me the truth about this. And I'm going to confess to you, Lord, that my feelings are speaking louder than your word. And my experience is speaking louder than your word. And I confess that to you tonight, Lord. But the truth is that no matter what I've done, your blood covers it. And I can be forgiven. And you've made me worthy. And Lord, I've, I confess that I've thought I'm worthy on my own, based on my own record. But now in your presence, I see that I'm trying to achieve my salvation when all I have to do is receive it. So Lord, I'm removing this from the file of my heart tonight. I am accepted and worthy in the beloved in Christ Jesus. I'm alone. Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And this is what I'm trying to get at here. It's not a simple, it's not a simple, I feel alone, um, but Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 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 It's, he actually comes. That is the power of prayer. It's not a formula or an equation or saying the right words with the right tone in the right way. It's the Spirit of God comes when truth is spoken. I'm depressed. Let God take you to the root of that unbelief. Because depression is a, is a massive term. It's a massive fruit on a tree, but what's at the root of it? 
hopeless. Lord, I have, I've got no hope. Whatever it might be, let him guide you so that you can confess his truth. <clears throat> I don't have what I need. <clears throat> Sorry, I'll, I'll go back to the I am depressed one. When the truth is, I have every reason to be hopeful. So you sit there. Begin to write out what are the reasons for me to have hope. Write them out. Lord, no matter what's happening in my life, no matter how I feel, the reality is that you came and you died just for me. And I sit there and meditate on Jesus dying and getting whipped on the cross because of his love for me. And it, sometimes it's hard to, to get to that place. You battle the guilt, you battle... Uh, you, and that battle is a real battle against unbelief. And you know, because when you sit there and try to do it, you know what it's like. You know what you have to fight through to break through into that place of truth. Do, do we all know what I'm talking about? And that's why so many of us give up. Because you're fighting that unbelief. And that's the wrestle in prayer. <clears throat> I'm afraid. List your fear. You'll be amazed at how, how quick those fears lift once you identify them and give them to the Lord. But get to the, get to the very root of them. <clears throat> I'm addicted. Lord, I'm going to be honest with you. Your word says I'm free from bondage, but I've been doing this thing for so many years and I've tried quitting so many times that I don't think I can be free from it. <clears throat> and I've got mates in the same boat and they can't get free from it, so I don't think there's any hope for me here, Lord. Be honest. Lord, I don't think, you know, if you were going to heal me of it, if you were going to set me free from it, it would have happened by now. So maybe this is just my lot in life. No one loves me. Truth is, I'm precious to God. Sit there until that becomes true. I feel guilty. Lord, someone reminds me of what I did every day. And I have glimpses of freedom but I always revert back to guilt. And I feel guilty because someone keeps reminding me of what I did. But Lord, I'm coming into your presence because I'm not here to blame that person. I'm not here to uh, complain about that person, Lord. I'm here to pray for that person too. 
truth is I'm forgiven and blameless. I can't reach God. Lord, I said this before, I'm going to be honest with you, it's difficult. I'm struggling to connect with you. People, people talk about your presence, uh, but I don't know what they mean. Uh, people say they spend hours in prayer and I can't spend five minutes in prayer. Lord, show me what's going on. I'll be honest with you, Lord. <clears throat> I'm the same person I always was. <clears throat> no, you're not. You've been crucified with Christ. Yeah, but I feel, I feel like the same person. And in my head, I know that I've been crucified with Christ, but I don't feel it in my heart. It's in that place where your feelings catch up with the truth. <clears throat> I must perform to please God. Lord, I feel like I've got to do something for you. Why do I feel that way, Lord? I felt, you know, Lord, I feel like that in my life with other people too, or even in my workplace. I'm always, I've noticed it in me, I'm, I'm striving to be accepted, or I'm always working, trying to please people so that they'll accept me or love me. <clears throat> Lord, is it the same with you? And he'll tell you, I love you before you do anything. He'll take you. He'll lead you into that place of rest. And listen, say, I'm dead to the standard of performance that I've been living under. <clears throat> I'm afraid of death. I'm assured of heaven. <clears throat> I have no purpose. God has a purpose for my life. Lord, I'm eager. I just want to discover my purpose. I just want to know what it is so I can walk it out. Can you show me what it is? Just tell me what it is and I'll do it straight away. You'll hear a whisper. Just rest. Let me work on the file of your heart and naturally your purpose will flow from your heart. <clears throat> so he says, this one doesn't come out. This one isn't, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> this one's not coming out because of your unbelief. <coughs> And the way to overcome your unbelief is by prayer and fasting. <clears throat> There's no other shortcut. There's no other bypass. There's no other substitute. It is God's mechanism to free you, to set you free. And that's in his presence. <clears throat> 
And that's the danger that we can believe in Christ but not believe what he says in the depths of our heart. And we can call ourselves Christians. We can quote the Bible till the cows come home, but still be believing other things in our hearts. And that's the danger of us becoming religious unbelievers. Where you know what to say, you know where to turn up, you've been a believer for... 10 years, 20 years, but the file of your heart still has all the old baggage. And the good news is that Christ came to set us free from all of that. That we don't have to live with that anymore. But sitting in his presence saying, Lord, take away this fear. He can do that because God is able but often he wants to take you deep, 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 deep into that fear because there's hundreds of other traumas, hundreds of other fears, hundreds of other things connected to it that he wants to uproot at the same time as well. It's not as simple as Lord take away this fear. That's why when I, I talk about <clears throat> my journey, it wasn't as simple as, Lord, take away, this, take away this same-sex attraction, even though that was my prayer for such a long time. It was, Lord, I see now there's rejection. Lord, I see now I rejected my own masculinity. Lord, I see now there are all these fears. Let's go. Let's go, Lord, take me in. I want to I wanna uproot it all. I want to partner with the Holy Spirit to uproot it all. I don't want one bit of it left in me. And it's actually an exciting process, you know. It's actually an exciting process when you begin to see uh, progress in your prayer life. Because it makes you hungry for more. And God is faithful to give you more. So I'll leave you with that one. The best question you can ask is, next time you're in a rut, next time you're something's surfacing, what am I believing right now? What am I believing right now? Because you'll find that there's a root of unbelief there. And the Holy Spirit wants to uproot it so that you are walking out the Great Commission rather than the Great Rebuke. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
thank you, Heavenly Father. You are a good Father. And you're the one who fathers us on our journey. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your wisdom, for your counsel, that you guide us into all truth. And we ask (coughs) that you guide each one of us into greater depths, greater levels of truth in our own hearts. You shine a light on anything that's been festering, that's been hiding, that's been filed away for far too long. We thank you, you expose every lie of the enemy in every person's heart. Thank you, you've transported them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your son. Thank you for freedom, Lord. Thank you for your grace that it is your empowerment for us to be transformed by your word and by your spirit. Because grace without transformation is perversion. We thank you for your process, Lord. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit is gentle with us. That this isn't a violent, reckless process. I thank you that this is a very tender tender process you take us on Lord and you uproot all pain all misery all hopelessness all fear all doubt all resignation all agreements with darkness Every curse that's been spoken is broken. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. The altar's open if anyone wants prayer. Otherwise, we love you and uh, have a good week. Bless you.